Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's Thursday night, and you know what that means. Hey, I'm Jeff Garcia. Hi, my name is Hardy Nickerson. Hi, guys. My name is Roberto Guayo, and you're watching the NBL Show. Bring out the Inca Razors. Roberto's <laughs> rewriting history. Hi, I'm Gary Barnage. This is Will Allen. I'm Gus Farrat, and you're watching the NBL Show. And just out of nowhere, Colleen Wolf has called us up. Do you want to crack on? Yes, I would like to crack on. I think I know what they're talking about. Maybe. <laughs> My name is Tom Bahali, and you've been watching the NBL show. NBL, not NFL. NBL, which is way better than NFL. Just ask me because I work for the NFL. I might get fired for saying that. <laughs> what's up, what's up, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's the NBL show. <laughs> That's new. Yeah, it's a new one. I thought I'd try something new out today. Um, and we're joined, I'm joined, as I always am, by Chris Milner Hello. with zero NFL sacks to his name. Zero. And uh, I also have zero NFL sacks to my name. We're so joined, far. So, so far, so far, we're joined by a man with 89 and a half NFL sacks, which is good for second uh, in Chiefs <laughs> Kingdom history. Unfortunately, we Damn. couldn't get Derek Thomas, but we do have, Damn. for your audio pleasure, Mr. Tumba Harley, ladies and gentlemen, joining us all the way from Liberia, which we've just found out is the same time zone yeah. as London. Should have known that. How are you doing, sir? You doing well? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking. So what takes you back to Liberia? Um, I had an album release uh, party um, right now in the States. There's no activity. And uh, Valentine's was coming up and uh, I did a compilation called Love and Lights. Um, and I wanted to, wanted to release it because we, we had plans to release it last year, but it didn't. So I thought it would be a great idea to release it with uh, the people in Liberia. I think we should probably explain that um, Tambahali now has a musical career. Yeah. Um, he releases absolute bangers. Like, because, you know, we, you see people from the NFL who go into music and you're like, oh, okay, Antonio Brown. Here we go. Okay, Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Bell. Yeah, but yeah. I listen to some of Tamba's songs and Samba is a certified hit, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, I work with a, a really a great producer from Nigeria. His name is Mastercraft. He and I became great friends and we've been working together since and the music just seems to uh, click. And you came over from Liberia age 10, right? Yes, I, we fled the war through Cote d'Ivoire, went to Ghana, got um, our passports and uh, went to the United States. And how did you get into American football when you were there? I played soccer uh, and basketball. Uh, I seemed to excel in those two sports. But for some reason, my, uh, my coach from uh, middle school, he was the defensive coordinator. You know, so he usually saw me in gym and how I went about my gym activity and he always t- uh, said to, to me I should play football when I got to the high school. So once I became freshman, I went out for the team and, and it all started there. <laughs> and how did you, how did the sort of switch from, you know, Tumba Harley has never played uh, American football before to Tumba Harley in his senior season, 2006 against FSU in that three overtime thriller victory at Penn State. How does that happen? I mean, how do you become such a dominant force from nothing? Well, I would say to, becoming a first-round pick in 2006, the year of our Lord Broderick Bunkley. Right, exactly. Well, you know, I cannot accredit everything to me. I think there's a divine being here. Um, some Something has carried me throughout my career to bring me where I am. So, uh, again, I'm a strong believer. So I, I want to say, first, I give all the credit to Yeshua. And then um, just having the drive to be able to be cons- like persistent and uh, relentless in anything I choose to do. Um, as far as football, I didn't have any bad habits. So whatever the coaches had told me to do, which became very simple, was just 
put your hands in the ground and go get the guy with the ball. I mean, you know, <laughs> and were you always defensive end slash edge rusher? Yeah, I played. I played the nose tackle. I played the three technique. I played defensive end, and then in professional, I made the transition to outside linebacker. And was there anyone at Penn State because that's where it really kicked off for you? The first you were there all four years. The first three seasons, I mean, just were fine, and then you just smashed it out of the park in your senior season. Finalist for the Nagurski Trophy, All American, terrorizing people all over the pitch. I know you played with Paul Pozlozny, the Bills linebacker. Um, Joe yeah. Paterno was obviously there. Was there any names where you could credit them with like they really taught you a trick or two? Well, Larry Johnson Sr. that was the defensive position coach for, um, let's say, linemen. Um, so from defensive end, defensive tackle. And at the time, he had put Courtney Brown in the NFL. He was the number one overall. Cleveland Brown, player. Courtney Brown. Yes, sir. Yeah, still got his jersey. <laughs> Can't shift it for love, no nope. money. Like <laughs> an anchor around our neck. Yeah. So I was, I was fond of his play. And um, when I got there, Coach was able to teach me, you know, how to play the position from any position. So I, I was able to play nose tackle to begin my career. And then I moved, I, con I continued to move outside as time went on and just learn how to sack the quarterback. But what Joe Paterno did, he, he, he overworked us. We worked like military people, like we, the, the type of work we did, I don't think they do it anymore, you know. And we were able to play through injuries. We were able to play through some of the toughest times. And when I was there, he had the worst seasons twice, three and nine and I think four and eight, um, and, you know, and that kind of helps with you going through all of the down times to, you know, season like we did that last year, only losing one game to me and then going three overtimes with Florida State in the Orange Bowl. So Larry Johnson Sr., I credit a lot of my um, knowledge with him. And I was going to ask, because in that um, victory against FSU in 2006, on the other side of the ball is a man by the name of Broderick Bunkley. I don't know if you're familiar with that name. <laughs> yeah, Broderick. I know Broderick. Oh, fantastic. Oh Broderick is a legend a in these halls. Like, literally yeah. only in this room in London, he is in our Hall of Fame. And weirdly, every single guest we get on has knowledge of Bon Broderick yeah. Bunkley, went to lunch with Broderick Bunkley. Yeah. One day, we'll get, we'll him, get him, him in. But so you had taken before you in that draft in terms of on the defensive side of the ball, you had obviously Broderick Bunkley. You also had Kamari and Wimbley was the other defensive end taken. I yeah. would argue that considering how their careers shaped out yep. versus how yours shaped out, I think you should have been the first defensive end taken. Well, this is, it's, it's, I was going to say, it's really interesting. I'm keen to get your take because Mario Williams plays your position drafted first overall. I don't know what the draft process was like for you, but were you sort of sat there going, I'm better than these guys? Why am I why am I slipping down the draft board? Well, you know, I didn't we don't have no control over those things and the teams are looking for, you know, different attributes in all of us players and I think all of those guys you mentioned had something to offer the team in the position that they were drafted in. So I didn't it didn't I didn't quarrel about where where I ended up. I, I was fortunate, I was blessed to be with, with the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, because I, I can't run a four or five, you know. I can't I'm not able to do a bench press twenty-five times. Nor can we. Yeah, we're we're kind of the same in that regard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those guys had talents in areas where I didn't. And sometimes numbers do speak louder than 
you know, just... Well, in, the, in this case, they speak, they're yelling. Yeah. They're speaking when, very loudly. When we look at it through the lens of hindsight, yes, numbers speak very loud. I think loud. here's a fun fact for you, is that in a Bleacher Report redraft of that draft, you were the only player who didn't go lower. You actually moved up the board, whereas all the players drafted ahead of you went down the board because of your, you really? know, looking back. So that's a nice nugget for you to hang on to. Yeah, I mean, it's a blessing, you know. I, for me to be able to do what happened there, it's, you know, I look back and I was having fun. I loved what I did. You know, I was early in the building. I worked at it and I always enjoyed coming out there to knock heads. <laughs> yeah. What's it like? How would Tom Bahali explain the feeling of burying a quarterback in the turf? <laughs> well... I don't want to say burying them. But... <laughs> I've seen your highlights. I've seen your highlights. Some of those men never came back out of the ground. You, you know Week I mean? three in 2006, Alex Smith is still planted in the middle of the stadium. I hear you. Um, it's one of the best feelings you can have because the entire stadium gets to watch you beat someone in little than three seconds or four seconds and make an extraordinary effort and bring the guy down or take the ball out. So yeah, you when, once you get there, all you hear is the noise and how loud it gets. Right. So, yeah, it's it's a very gratifying feeling. And of course, of all stadiums for you to get cheered at for sacking someone, Arrowhead Stadium. What's it like being a Kansas City Chief? Why is it different to any of the other teams? It's the closest you'll get to playing for a college team. These people are really fond of their football. They're there barbecuing early in the morning. Um, when you get there, they're there, they're lined up. Once you're driving through, they know your car. And then, you know, every, the feeling that I got at Penn State when we drive in those buses to come to the game, it's it's similar because once we get on campus, it's it's people for another two, three miles before yeah. you get to the stadium. So same thing with, with once you get in the stadium for Kansas City, it's just so many guys are there early and guys like me love to get there early and they're there and they're barbecuing. So it makes you want to come out and, and, and really play a good game. Have you been out to tailgate either during your career or oh, since you've retired? Have you returned to Arrowhead Stadium and do people recognize you? Yeah, I, I actually, I went last year when we won the Super Bowl. I went for a game and they gave me an option to either sit in the suite but I ha you know, or sit with the fans. And I chose to sit outside and afterwards when we were leaving, it's just we couldn't leave. You yeah. know, it was one of those things like it was surreal. And I had my young boys with me and my wife was there with me and they just crowded us. And, you know, it's one of those movie scenes. You're like, I don't think this actually happens, but it did. Like, and we couldn't, I had to sign autographs for everyone wanted to take a picture. So it was, it was pleasing. You mentioned leaving Liberia at a young age. From what we understand, you joined the NFL in order to be able to reunite your family. So I'm guessing when you got to Kansas, you were celebrating on a different level to most people getting drafted because not only are you in the NFL, you now have the means to be able to get your mum back over. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I became a natural citizen for the in the United States and uh, a senator named Jack Kemp for Buffalo was able to write a letter through the help of Joe Paterno and Carl Peterson and Lamar Hunt, they all put you know their political ties together. And my mom was just able to hop on a flight. And my agent, Jim Ivler, actually met her at the airport and escorted her all the way to Kansas City. So it was one of those stories that, you know, you, 
you can't write it yeah. the way it comes around. But, you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative how everything turned out. I see you or can't write it and I'll raise you and you need to tell me whether this is correct or not. Week three, 2006, the first game your mum watches, you bury Alex Smith with a sack. I didn't bury him, but I did bring him down. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep going until you admit you buried people. He dug people's graves, sir. <laughs> but yeah, that must have been an awesome experience, right? It was because she didn't, she don't know how to take the game. And all I had to tell her was just watch the guy who's going to throw the ball the entire game. I'm going to get a chance to get there maybe one time. So, you know, her eyes was just on Alex Smith, you know. And, yeah. We was hunting that day just to get there one time. We got there, I think, one and a half time. And then when all the crowd clears, just his legs sticking out of the ground with his top half buried in the turf. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are writers. You writers. <laughs> so let's talk about, um, you know, your Chiefs career was unbelievable and i really think if you played in a different time if you played on this super bowl team now you'd have a case for the hall of fame if you had you know some rings to show for what you know the, all the stats and what you meant to the city and all that sort of stuff what is it like because when the, when you played for the chiefs in the first half of your career the chiefs weren't very good i mean you won 38 games out of a possible 114 in your first seven seasons and you had 62 and a half sacks and 23 forced fumbles you're playing lights out right What's it like? Like, what's the Barry Sanders experience like where, you know, you've got good players. You've got Jared Allen. You've got a young Tony, Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez is, Tony and you've got um, Derek Johnson. So there's, there's the pieces there. But is it, is, is it frustrating? Yeah, it's frustrating because there's a lot of great talent on the team, but there's no chemistry between the team and, and, and people are now on the same page. So, yeah, it's a bit frustrating, but we, we tried our best because – the league was in a different place at the time. And, and then the, the organization was going through a few transition. You know, we just lost the owner, Lamar Hunt. And then having our chairman, Clark Hunt, he, he was coming in. So he was, he was in a new phase of assembling the right pieces to make this thing work. And obviously we see what he has done with what, you know, he's been able to do. Right. That sort of was starting to happen towards the end of your career, you know, when um, Andy Reid came in and then in your final year, they drafted some nobody called Patrick Mahomes who sat on the bench all year. I'm not Behind sure. Alex Smith, who's been unburied at this yeah, point. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what happened to that Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if he, I hope he's all right. I don't know. He got folded up like a backseat map against Tampa. <laughs> but... You know, I, I think, you, did you say that you credit Andy Reid and him coming in um, with changing your career because you played, I think the quote is recklessly with your body? Yeah, I used to play the game very reckless. And in, in a sense, coach taught me how to be more like a, a productive player, more under control, knowing how to go about it because I, I had to, I made the transition really to linebacker now. So I have to use... Not just you know my body. I have to use my mind and my eyes and and then my instinct to be able to adjust to different coverages quickly and 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 then also rush the passer. Um, so sometimes some of the snaps that I'm supposed to get, you know, I'm in coverage. So yeah, I, I used to play the game reckless, but having Gary Gibbs at the time was my position coach. He did a tremendous job in helping me understand how to play the position and how to play under control, and then 
how to transition and getting sacks when we need sacks because you know you could be like car chasing after dog for a long time and yeah. we really need you man you're not really there you know you don't got the energy so all it's an art and it's a game within the game and coach was able to help me kind of gauge it more so it, it you know it, it helped my football and who was your favorite player to play with on the cheese jared allen Derek Johnson, Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, <laughs> Trent Green. You know, so I would say is is Derek Johnson and Mike Vrabel. Vrabel's an interesting answer. Why Mike Vrabel? Called it because I've never seen a guy more selfless come to a team reluctantly and is able to coach us on the field and allow us to have success even when he knows that he can be selfish as well. But he's more happy for us having success and, and enjoying the success. And he would come, he would be the first guy after I get a sack to come and congratulate me. And, you know, this guy will walk in a meeting room without no book and he would be challenging the coaches on the plays. Yeah. But he, his ego was so out the door. He was more of an intellectual person on the field, like a coach on the field. And playing with him, I had to, it, it helped me grow as a player to realize that this is where you want to get as a player, where you know the game and you're able to help the guys around you have success. And it's not always got to be about you. Right. Mm. And did you do that towards the end of your Chiefs career? Did you find yourself as a veteran, you know, passing it down? Yeah. Um, playing with Justin Houston, when Justin was- He's a beast uh, as well. Prime, it, it was, you know, it, Justin just took it by the horn. And at times I started doing exactly what Mike was doing. I was like, Justin, I'll drop just so he can try to get this sack record. I'll drop. I'll stay more in coverage because Justin was so dominant. I was so happy for him, even though I was also young. I'm like, ah, this is tough. But, yeah. you know, I'm never going to catch Derek Thomas if you get all the sacks, Houston. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I did it. And it's it's one of those things you just got to swallow it and kind of know that this is how it works. You know, you, you have your time and fatherhood kicks in. You got to kind of teach these other guys how this thing works so they can have their time. And it's not always going to be about you and, and it will help you further along in your career. Um, would you mind if I read your mind a little bit? Yeah. Is your favorite pass rusher Dwight Freeney? Mm -hmm. And you have Robert Mathis's jersey up in your house. I do. Fantastic. Did you ever get to play with Dwight Freeney? Uh, or I against? We, I think we played, we played in a Pro Bowl together. And what was it about him that you were like, he is the guy? Well, Dwight was 265 pounds. He was a little, he's a, maybe 6'2 or 6'1. Mm -hmm. And then he ran a 4'3 and he was strong. And Dwight was not your traditional pass rusher who's going to be long with the long arms. He kind of created his own move in the game like he made a mark in the game that i would spin and i would make sacks this way and i would bull rush you and then i can run around you so he did it in a way that a lot of guys are not able to do it's just you know running a 4-3 as a defensive end that's not something guys are doing and yeah. so it was kind of cool to watch and he did it while he was in syracuse and I, while I was getting recruited, I went to Syracuse camps. So I met with Dwight. I was actually considering it, but I chose Penn State. The call to Penn State was too strong. The Nittany Lions. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to live in Dwight's shadow. It, you know, it's, it's, Dwight was just an extraordinary player. So I felt like Penn State would have given me a, a good place. But 
Do I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. How, there's too many guys like him. Mathis, obviously, is a different beast. Yeah. But having both of these guys coming off the pack and the edge, I mean, it's, I think that's one of the maybe top two ever. Are you a Colts fan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All these guys play for the Colts. <laughs> yeah. Have you got like a Colts jersey on underneath your shirt? <laughs> you had a really good time in Indianapolis one night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting hearing you say, like at the beginning when you, you sort of said, you know, I couldn't bench press 25, I can't run 4.3. How did you get all these sacks then? Because I know I was chatting to someone else who's in the NFL. Um, oh, clang, name drop. And he was saying, I said, do you know anything funny about Tambahali? What can you tell me about Tambahali that kind of sticks out? Apparently uh -huh. your pre-game warm-up was absurd you were doing sprints you were doing jujitsu you were doing drills like yes i know you're a purple belt in jujitsu is that right yeah i fight black belts all the time i i roll with dave but yeah i'm i'm, I'm a purple belt uh, two stripes were you inspired by herschel walker by any chance <laughs> the mma the legend. unbeaten mma legend two and oh herschel walker aged 47 i didn't even know he, he did mma Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll send you some videos. It's crazy. Yeah, 47-year-old ripped Herschel Walker just wailing on someone <laughs> in the octagon. Talking wow. about burying people. <laughs> the truth is, is I'm a relentless style of player. When I play the game, I, I probably lose 99% of my snap because you may be stronger. You may, you may even impose your will on me at times. But I was just one of those small dogs that, were, that just seems like it, this guy's just going to be coming. He's not stopping, he's coming. So I, I think that in itself caused problems with tackles, realizing that they had a whole day to work, not just, oh, you crush this guy, his, his heart's hurt, he's not coming anymore. He's, he's, you know, he's gonna keep coming at you and keep coming at you till he beats you and then come again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and then uh, Joseph Kim, Joe Kim, a martial artist, um, he did Taekwondo. He, when he came during the Todd Haley era, mm -hmm. um, he taught me uh, how to use my hips and my hands. So pass rushing is really about positioning yourself and then bursting out of those positions. So I knew how to use my hand. My hand was like a second nature, how to get people hands off me quickly. And then I knew how to use my hip. If I can take my hips and turn it into a certain direction on you, I know I went because you're not, you know, this is just technique based on technique. If you're, if you don't understand what I'm doing, you're going to lose, you know, if the ball comes out, no problem. There's so many times I beat people in the, at the end of my career, just based on technique. I knew where to step. I knew how to go about it and, and then burst. Well, it's funny that you should mention all of this because I think it leads us perfectly. I could not have written a better intro for What Were You Thinking with Tambahali, who has dived off the screen <laughs> and back again. <laughs> He's just I'm checking on Alex Smith down the there. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't have written it better myself. We're going to examine your pass rush technique in What Were You Thinking as we do every week. We look at highlights and for... What were you thinking? Unfortunately, because the Kansas City Chiefs of the early thousands weren't very good. So there's not a lot of playoff games to look at. But you did win one playoff game against the Houston Texans when you actually dropped them 30 nil. But we're going to look at in 2010. See the, you later, Mario Williams. Yeah, see you later, Mario Williams. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens. And I've taken the name for this section from a sign someone was holding up in the stands that said Sacco Flacco. I think that the real highlight from this is your hand speed is absurd. So the first one... It's a classic, a vintage Tambahali strip sack. 
You made your name doing this. So it's the quick jump, the lightning quick hand wipe. Can you talk me through that? Um, yeah. Well, I knew Michael Orr was a quick setter. I knew he likes to jump and, and catch you kind of before you can get off the ball like, and be waiting for you. And um, from what I know is I, I, I did what we call a, a speed rush, but it goes speed, power, speed, flip, burst. And I caught him on it and he actually, he didn't do a bad job, but my end process was to continue to pursue the quarterback. And I knew Joe would drop back far yep. <laughs> and he would want to step in the pocket. And he always kept the ball low. Most quarterback tries to keep it here. So when they're ready, they just can release. But Joe kept it out a little bit. And I, you know, I just went for that hand. And is that something that you look at where the quarterback carries the ball? Yes, it's very important because most of the time we would, we're not go going to hit the quarterback. We may just have a chance to hit his hand. So I used to also study where, you know, how far they would drop back in yardage. Um, and then if I can get to that point, which I have, that means I have to make contact early. And then I'll, look, I'll be looking for that. And you made up your own um, move, didn't you? The hop out move. Is that right? It's hop out. Um, it's it's been around for a long time, but to explain it is it's all footwork. Usually, those tackles based on how you line up. Um, like it's it's a game within a game, so I have to deceive uh this person with with how I look and what I do. So I have to tell you if I in the game if I look like I'm going upfield, I'm going to go upfield. I'm doing it enough time that you believe that's what I'm doing. If I look like I'm going inside, I do it in enough time so you know that's what I'm doing. Now I counter both of those moves. So that's where it becomes harder now. So if I look like I'm going inside and you jump outside, I may go inside. If you don't jump outside, I go outside. So sometimes I will look like I'm going in and you will stop your feet because I'm coming to you and then I can hop out and give myself a, a clearer path to the quarterback. Is that when the lightning quick Tambahali jujitsu hands? See you later, Michael Orr, folds you like a lawn chair. <laughs> Michael's a great player, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, folding him up. And then we have an insane pressure. And we're talking about the um, your lightning fast hand speed. Marshall Yonder's never seen anything like it. And Marshall Yonder is a good guard, right? You fold him like a lawn chair. You're, you're so quick. You run at him, flip his hands. He's left folded over like a leaf as you get a mad pressure on Joe Flacco. When you've done something like that to a guard, do you, what do you say when you go back to the line? Uh, you know, those, those guys are just as great a, of an athlete as we are. And uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm above my head. Those are great players you're talking about. So. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always good to block, to be able to beat those guys. And in, in my term, Yonder used to come to me after the game and, and tell me, you know, how you know good of a player that I was, and I didn't get the credit. So, but I have high, you know, high respect for those guys because I know the type of things that go on in those trenches. You know, it's just a dog fight. Yeah. Who do you remember in the division? A particular tackle that you always didn't like to go up against you thought he'd maybe figured you out maybe you thought oh out of the two weeks of the year this guy is going to be a tough, be tough day at the office yeah um i think at one point uh, the kid that was at denver the left tackle uh forget his name um but was there anyone in the league where you were like they're going to be tough they're they are a good tackle 
Yeah, Joe Thomas and I, we went, we, we were from the same division. So, you know, every time we would play Cleveland, Joe knew that he had his hand full, but I knew that he was a very strong, solid tackle. So it wasn't going to be easy going against him. Is it Ryan Clady? Yes, Clady. Oh, there we go. Smashed it. Yeah. Ryan Clady. Clady was Yeah, Ryan Clady was really good at it at the position. And it, at times it was, you know, it was a dogfight to get a sack because he just knew how to block. Some guys, they just have a knack, so you have to work a little harder. But Joe Thomas... I've got a feeling with Joe Thomas that you're such a lovely man, and he is such a lovely man, that when the whistle blew, it was like business. And then when you finished, you're like, oh, jolly good. Excellent show, chap. It'd be great if you threw Andrew Luck in at quarterback. Yeah, exactly. The most polite NFL game. The most polite NFL conversation (laughs) in the trenches to ever happen. Yeah, Joe Joe was really good at the position. And, And Joe... Joe will hold you like Joe had pride in the position that even if you beat him, he will hold you. So and the refs knew that they had their hands full with us because Joe would block me well. And then at times I just will beat him and he will hold me because he just didn't want me to get the sack. <laughs> and I'll get the call. You know, I'll get the call. But that, I, I say he, he was one of the hardest one. And then the, the other kid that's playing for St. Louis right now, he's going in his 15th career. Playing for St. Um, Louis? Uh, LA. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> Andrew Whitworth, I think you mean. Yeah, Whitworth is just so tall and big that rushing him is almost like you can't see. So sometimes you just have to kind of run through him and hope that the quarterback stays there inside. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he's just so big. And so going against him, you know, those Joe Whitworth, Ryan Clady, I think those guys, they gave me a fit throughout my time in the league. Is there any time when you're rushing where you're just like, I have no idea where the quarterback is. I'm just going to try and run through this man. Yeah. I mean, like playing Patrick, sometimes you probably will, you know, you'll probably lose him because he's not going to stay in the pocket. And if you bury yourself in, in the in the quarterback, <laughs> in the tackles. <laughs> we got you. There we go. <laughs> yeah, you got me saying bury. <laughs> 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 love it. It's the title of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Buried yeah. with Tamale. <laughs> love it. If you bury your face in, in the tackle's chest, you know, some guys like Michael Vick would just, you know, run outside and you, you'll think you're going, you know, you'll just lose vision of where the guy is. So yep. you really had to be cognizant of where you were at, at all times. Well, thank you so much for talking about that. But now let's talk about, as we play the game, as we mm-hmm. always do, um, and if you want highlights of the game, come and check it out on YouTube. You, sir, are a musical artist now, which is why you're in uh, Liberia right now. Yeah, I'm here for that music. I'm you know, here to continue to put Liberia on the map. So as um, the bastion of Liberian music right now, and indeed, because um, I've heard some of your tracks, and Samba, I will say again, is an absolute banger. Go and stream it now. Um, we're going to put music to you, sir, from famous NFL players. Yeah, we're going to put music to your ears that is not music to your ears. Exactly. <laughs> and you're going to have to tell us who the NFL star is that um, made the song, wrote yeah, the, the song. Wrote song, I guess sung. Sung, sung, produced, yeah. written in a song. game entitled. I doubt any of these guys produced these songs. Oh, I don't know. Maybe one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the title of the game is... Tambas tunes. Excellent. Really nice. <laughs> you guys are cool. So we've got six songs for you, Tamba. Uh, I'm going to play them down the microphone, and you have to just let us know who you think 
that NFL superstar is. Yep, you ready? I'm ready. Fantastic. Okay. Is this Bell? No, oh, it's not Le'Veon Bell. Close. It's his partner in crime, Antonio Brown. NVL fans screaming at their phones. Super Bowl winner, oh, Antonio God. Brown. A whole lot of money. Yeah, a whole lot of money. As a musician, can you just give us a quick, what do you think of that lyric writing? The song is entitled Whole Lot of Money, and those are the only three words he says. I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Love it. Brilliant. So we're 0-1 like the 2006 Kansas City Chiefs. Can we win a game? The second song, Tamba on Tamba's Tunes. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a banger, regardless of whether you know who that is. Must be the money. Former Atlanta Falcons, Dallas Cowboys, and San Francisco 49ers. And Washington. Okay, Deion, Deion Sanders. Deion, Deion Sanders. There we go. Deion We're Sanders. one and one. We're back in the game. Love it. Excellent. Um, critical <laughs> review of Must Be the Money by Deion Sanders. It's all about money, isn't it? It's always about money. Not when it's Tambo. It's all about Sambo with Tambo. Well, again, it, it's the truth. Write <laughs> <laughs> right about what you know. Uh, which leads us wonderfully onto the next one. Write about what you know. Number three. <laughs> the look on Tambo's face right now. <laughs> Guys got me on this one. It's certainly not one of your songs. I'm not really sure that's your genre. Is that Roger Staubach? It's not Roger Staubach. Close. It is incredibly close. It is the Roger Staubach of the Pittsburgh Steelers and current Fox analyst, Mr. Terry Bradshaw, singing Jambalaya, ladies and gentlemen. Right yeah. about what you know. The man knows Jambalaya and he's going to oh, sing about it. I would have never gotten that. <laughs> that would have been stunning if you had. I well, we're one and two. We're that. looking to storm back. Okay, we were talking Ravens earlier. Gosh, Terry Bradshaw. NVL fans screaming again at their phones. They know exactly who this is. A man who I hope to book for my wedding. <laughs> it doesn't drop. <laughs> This is Baltimore Ravens kicker and opera singer. And opera singer. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you're all screaming at your phones, it's Justin Tucker with those dulcet pipes. Can you believe that? You know what? You, this is cheating. Justin Tucker is not a musician. So if he's if he's doing this, this is probably what? I, is he doing this at church? He, he, I mean, kind of. It kind of, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we haven't prepared for that kind of question. The <laughs> accusation that Justin Tucker is not a musician. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to be able to sing Ave Maria like that and then get told you're, you're not a musician. a musician. I'd love to get Justin Tucker on and be like, so Tom Harley says you're not a musician. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're also not a football player. Well, he, he, I wouldn't say he's, he's a musician, then he's just an opera singer. That's okay, fair. That's fair a fair enough. point. Okay. That's a fair point. Why well, don't you? Great entry. Well, this next one, I'm, I'll be very surprised if you get this one. I'll do a lap of honour if you manage to get this next one. This is going to be amazing. Tumbus Tunes. 
is it's awful. It's like scratching a chalkboard. Drop it. Sounds like a cross between Limp Biscuit, Evanescence, and Hot Trash. And me screaming. So that's in 2010. Can you tell us who that is, Tom? I'll be amazed if you can. 2010. I don't know. I promise you, I've never heard this before. <laughs> well, what if I told you that in 2010, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line got together as a band called Free Rain to record the Screamo song, Tragedy? What a fun wow, nugget of information. This is news. This is news. This is news. One for four, guys. I would also argue that Free Rain aren't musicians either. <laughs> Based on tragedy, which is a tragedy, I think you might be right. Well, let's go for the last one. If you don't get this one, you're not a musician. It's got to be Tamba Holly. Hey! It is Tamba Harley and Samba. Are you feeling, feeling this? Yes, I am. What an absolute that banger. That's the best song by a country mom. Yeah, on that list. Jambalaya is close, but I'm taking Samba by Tamba every single time. Maybe you should meet up with Terry Bradshaw and do a duet and be like Sambalaya. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is, uh, as you look at your phones, the end of the NVL show uh, with Mr. Tamba Harley. Thank you so much for your time, sir. You've been more than generous and talking us through burying Joe Flacco and the musical stylings of Terry Bradshaw. But you didn't think you were going to talk about that, did you? No, I didn't. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me this evening. And you have a wonderful evening. That was the NVL show. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you want that vintage jersey you just can't find, head to us on nationalvintageleague.com or if you want to follow us on social media, it's at National Vintage League on Instagram and at NVL Tweets on Twitter. So until next time, you take it easy. Yeah.